Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Ford Progress on this Monday, November 13th, post-week 10. We got an action-packed show. We'll be breaking down some takeaways of the week that was, including games that Suma and I were on different sides of. We're going to give a look to early market moves and impactful injuries we're keeping our eyes on, and we're going to preview Monday Night Football. If you're not already, please subscribe, hit the notifications bell, and send those likes. Last week, uh, I tried to benefit, uh, give you guys a benefit to hit the like button, and we, we fell short of our goal. Of course, none of this would be possible without our sponsor, Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book and available to betters on Ontario. Find out what the pros have known for the last 25 years. Everyday competitive odds. Your trusted sports book. Bet smart. Bet pinnacle. Must be 19 plus in Ontario. With that being said, I'm your host, George Sofidis. I'm excited to get this show on the road. Joining me on Monday, Suma, pro sports better creator on the Hammer Betting Network. And Suma, uh, last week I tried to get you to do a sing-along if we hit enough likes. Uh, you were in the stadium yesterday? No, no. Uh, okay. The video that I sent you was from a good friend of mine who was there, and uh, he had the perfect shot of Sweet Caroline. If you were in the uh, in the stadium, would you have sung to Sweet Caroline and uh, Country Roads, or are you not much of a public singer? Um, I would have tried to sing the refrain because I am personally completely terrible with song texts. Usually I, I only remember uh, like one or two sentences from the refrain of, of like good songs, but any, everything in between, I'm just uh, and stuff like that. Well, did you see what they were doing on the on the side of the, the audience? They were posting the lyrics. It was like felt like full on karaoke. I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, before we get into all the games, let's start off with Sunday night football game. Uh, your Jets lost to the new Raiders who, with the new tradition, they smoke cigars after they win, which is awesome, awesome. Um, Salah comes out after the game once again and says, hey, there were some positives. Uh, we moved the ball well. Like, Zach Wilson is the lowest qualifying quarterback in EPA per play. Like, unless Tommy DeVito hits the benchmark to qualify, he's going to finish last. Why not try Trevor Simeon? What's the justification? I wish I could tell you. So, my sentiment from Jets fans in my mentions and on, on, on X the last two weeks is, like, there was a strong recency bias. For example, against the Chargers, we remember the, the last two drives where Zach Wilson had 11 completions, uh, three or four scrambles for a first down. Um, yesterday, he had that um, last drive where he um, uh, scrambled to the left, threw the deep ball into the end zone, and Garrett Wilson had a very good shot at catching this and making it a Jets W, but Tyler Conklin, for whatever reason, stripped the ball out of uh, Garrett Wilson's hands, and People are saying, um, oh, look, Zach Wilson isn't is the problem. Like, um, 
on like every uh, Breeze Hall big play, there's a penalty and receivers are not catching the ball and people try to frame it as such that Zach Wilson is the, the, the least problem. But I mean, he's also one of the biggest problems when it comes to being in these late situations where you are either out of the game, like against the Chargers, or you are trying to chase a um, backdoor win on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders who just managed to, to, to score 16 points. So um, yes, the Jets have issues outside of Zach Wilson. There are drops, there are costly pen penalties negating s s some big plays. But overall, I mean, the Zach Wilson experiment has to be over. And um, Hitman made a very good point in, in our Fall Progress chat yesterday. He said, maybe there's the possibility that Aaron Rodgers has a huge say in keeping uh, Zach Wilson as the starter because he was Zach Wilson's mentor, had all the good stuff to say about him, really wanted to, to push that guy. And maybe there's something to it because I'm really... I have been running out of arguments like four weeks ago, but after yesterday, like what else can you say or what else can you tell yourself if you are Robert Sala to, to keep him as the starter? Yeah. If you got questions in the comments, just fire away. If it is uh, part of the game we're talking about, we'll bring it in. If it's not, we'll answer it at some point in the show. Uh, in the middle of the game, we got news from Melissa Stark. You know, Aaron Rodgers uh, wants to be back by mid-December. I spoke to a doctor last week who also thinks, and for many reasons, he can be available by week 15, 16. This all hinges on one thing, though, Suma. The Jets have to be in a playoff position or at least have a chance because he's not going to rush back if the season's over. So I guess my question is, can the Jets get to a viable position by week 15? They got a bit of a gauntlet the next three weeks. Are they just going to be out of playoff contention by the time Rodgers is ready in mid-December? I mean, Bills, Dolphins, Falcons, Texans, Dolphins, Commies. So the earliest game where he would play would be against the Dolphins in the second game, which would be December 17th. And the four games before the Bills, Dolphins, Falcons, Texans. Like, what's the realistic outcome for the Jets? Best outcome, probably two and two. Like, maybe you, you sneak one out against the Falcons and the Texans. Uh, that way you are likely still in the wild card hunt. I don't know. But man, it's it's tough. It, it it's it's really tough to win games with Zach Wilson. And I also am thinking about the locker room dynamic because that defense is leaving it out there on the field every game. Um, when you look at stuff like EPA per play adjusted um, for, for schedule and um, adjusted for recent performances, I think I have the Jets uh, top four in, in defensive EPA per play. Um, I mean, I think at some point you might also lose the locker room. Like if they get smashed by the Bills and the Dolphins and, and the offense doesn't do anything like what are guys like Quinn Williams and Sauce Gardner and um, CJ mostly, CJ mostly thinking? Yeah, it, it's got to be fragile at this point. You know, you just watch Josh Dobbs go two and zero with the Vikings, and you just I say mean, to yourself, "What the fuck? They could have had yeah. this guy for a seventh round pick, and they probably would get Rodgers back with a, a shot at the playoffs." 
and like they completely bungled this situation. Uh, I get not re-signing uh, Mike White. Uh, Cottage asked, could they not have kept him? Listen, he, he was paid four or five million dollars to be a backup for the Dolphins. You decided to go in around Rodgers and, and you spent your money on pieces around him. But, you know, CJ Uzama, Nicole Hardman, Randall Cobb, there's a lot of three to four million dollar players that you probably could have done without and probably had a better insurance policy than Zach Wilson. Let's let's give a little bit of shine to the Raiders. Um, one last question. One last question for you, George. Yeah. What would the Jets record be with Josh Dobbs at quarterback? Uh, at what point do we do they get him in the last two weeks or last three weeks or do they make the trade earlier? Uh, let's say they make the trade. Yeah, probably after the the Giants game. I mean, before that, he had his best game against the Chiefs. Then they uh, won two games against the Broncos and Eagles. So probably after the Jets game. So let's just say, what is the record against the Chargers and Raiders? They for sure beat the Raiders yesterday, and they might have beat the Chargers yesterday because the defense was phenomenal against the Chargers outside of like a punt return. Like <laughs> they could have beat the Chargers. Uh, so Dobbs at least worth one, maybe two wins, and we're looking at them a lot differently. Okay, let's give a little bit of credit to the Raiders. Uh, you know, there's something there. They're they're happy at least. There's not a, a torn up locker room. I bet you the morale is a lot higher in the uh, Raiders locker room than it is the Jets right now. These guys are smoking cigars. Uh, Devontae Adams is having fun again um, from a place where probably he felt depressed a few weeks ago and probably wanted out. Um, what do you make of this new team under Antonio Pierce? Uh, like, listen, you play the Giants and Jets, you're 2-0. It's hard to gauge if they've if they've actually drastically improved or not. And we'll probably get the answer against, you know, the team that loves to beat up on all the bad teams in football uh, this week with the Dolphins. But what what do you make of the Raiders under their new coach? It's tough because you probably cannot separate um, the, or let's say all the motivational ang angles from who they played. Mm -hmm. So Giants with Tommy DeVito were an absolute mess for the last three quarters. And then the, the Jets game was a complete coin flip against arguably the worst starting quarterback outside of Tommy they, DeVito. They played the two worst, right quarterbacks. Yes. Played the two worst quarterbacks in football. And now they're playing what? The seventh? The fifth? Third? Maybe. Twelfth? Maybe. <laughs> Depending on who you ask or how, how his most recent performance went. All right, let's not spend too much time on Jets and Raiders and two teams that won't be playing football in January. Let's look at uh, two more teams that won't be playing football in January. Arizona, Atlanta. I, I want to start with Kyler. Um, Kyler looked freaking good. No knee brace on, was running around. He's back. Is it time to bury the notion that the Cardinals are tanking? Like, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. time, right? They are not going to get one of these two QBs in the draft. Yes, um, also kudos to TA, who was on this uh, Cardinals are not tanking train maybe since the start of the season and consistently reminded us that, hey, this team might be uh, one and six or something, but they are playing hard. They are really trying to win. And yeah, I mean, going into the season, I did not expect Kyler Murray to play like half of the season because I thought... A, there's a chance that he's not close to 100% by midseason. And B, if the season's over, they 
might not even start him at all. And there were also like everyone was was debating maybe they 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 trade him. And gotta say, I was completely wrong. And right now, if I had to bet, I would say Kyler, Kyler Murray is the hands-on favorite to be the starting quarterback in the week one, 2024. And this team, I mean, they are very lacking of quality and talent. That's undeniable. But I think that their coaching staff is doing a great job. And especially when it comes to like in-game management, like that that sequence at the end of the game on the game-winning drive, like um, they, they, they played the, the clock perfect perfectly. Uh, something to learn for Ron Rivera and some other coaches. Um, get some questions out in the chat, and we'll get to them after our takeaways. Uh, keep them coming, guys. We will answer a bunch of them. I'll read off a bunch of them. Atlanta was four and three, Suma, and they were playing the Bucks. Uh, not the Bucks. They were uh, going to play the Titans, uh, the Vikings, and the Cardinals. And, you know, we thought, oh, you know, if they go two and one, you know, especially with no Kirk Cousins, you know, they're probably looking at a six and four record. Well, they lost all three. They're four and six. They had 250 yards of offense against a defense that has frankly been bad for the most part this year. Is this Falcons team like done? Uh, how do we rate them moving forward? Or is it, you know, you're in the NFC South. You still have a pulse, even if you're no good. Yeah, I mean, uh, efficiency-wise, they are still in that um, crazy, like, bunch tier with uh, teams like the Packers, Bears, Rams, and and teams like that. So I, I think it's not too bad, uh, especially in that conference and in that division. You just need a, a little run and you are back into the wildcard race. But I got to say that just based on my expectations going into the season, it might be one of the biggest disappointments so far. Um, their defense has play has been playing solid all all season, but I mean, when you just look at their run game, last year they had the number one one blocking offensive line. They were returning four starters. They got Bijan, who is really making guys pay in in open space, and they still cannot get to a decent efficiency base with their run game and that's that's really surprising to me especially when you consider that arthur smith is is, is the head coach who was really successful with this kind of uh, run first play action heavy um approach in 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 the last couple of years i mean even matt ryan uh, matt ryan had a great efficiency on play action for example and it's just not working this season and it's a major disappointment i mean i would not rule out anything in in this division and in this conference but i mean right now it's probably still the saints division to lose uh, mm -hmm. depending on what's going on with Derek Carr's shoulder and concussion uh nathan asks are the bucks actually the best team in the nfc south well nathan atlanta and new orleans are on a bye and tampa bay is going to the slaughterhouse this week probably against san francisco if you like the Bucks, Suma, probably wait till next week to to take a bet on them. Uh, yes, I mean tough spots um, against the against this this juggernaut. I mean Baker Mayfield is, I think, playing much better than I thought, and um, they had this crazy Dave Canales one first issues early in, in the in the season. Mike Evans is doing some drops like. That end zone drop yesterday against the Titans, which turned into a field goal, I guess, was yeah. was uh, pretty dope. And yeah, I mean, I I just think that that this Bucks team is severely limited by um, 
the supporting cast not being at a high level. Defense is getting gashed by any offense with a pulse. I don't trust Todd Bowles when it comes to um, high leverage in-game decisions. And there's only so much Baker Mayfield can do, even if he's playing better than anticipated. You know, I think the Bucks defense gets tortured by uh, fast, fast receivers, guys who create separation. Even do you remember when they played Detroit, Jameson Williams had that deep ball uh, or Amon Ross St. Brown had that big play with Craig Reynolds laying the block. The Titans uh, don't exactly have separators at receiver, especially with Traylon yes. Burks out. The Saints don't either, uh, you know, or at least they don't play like that. And Atlanta doesn't either. So the Bucs actually kind of match up well against their division. Uh, um, let's talk about uh, San Francisco, though. Uh, for those of us who didn't downgrade them the last three weeks, we got rewarded. It was a nice reminder of how good San Francisco is when healthy, right? Like, it, this is still one of the best teams in football. I know they had a three-game losing streak, but you could make the argument they could have won two of those games easily. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, they really played like they did before the Browns game. Uh, like like nothing has changed outside those injuries and, and a few Brock Purdy turnovers, which will be there in the future. I mean, yesterday there wasn't really an opportunity for the Jaguars to capitalize on turnovers, but I think these two or three turnover-worthy turn, turnover plays that Brock Purdy has in like every game will be there going forward. But in a game like this where they can easily pull away, it it will not matter. And um, I think I'm I'm not taking anything away from, from the 49ers in this game, but more so from the Jaguars because that offense over... 10 weeks now is really concerning because they have no consistency in their offense. Um, some tape guys are, are really concerned with how they're using Kevin Ridley, like not playing to his best strength um, that he displayed when he was on the Falcons. Their run game is basically non-existent. They are really struggling with creating explosive plays. And right now, that showing after a bye week makes me believe that there's no easy fix right now for them. Yeah, their defense, which we all thought could be a concern, is the best part of this team. Uh, 23rd in offensive EPA per play this year. Benjamin Solak uh, really pointed out, like, uh, Ridley's one of only two receivers uh, to face press coverage on more than 40% of his snaps. Uh, he, he gets it on 47% of his snaps. He averages half as many yards per route run against press coverage. And yet they're doing nothing to free him out. No, no, no motions. No, no hiding him in bunches. Yeah. Like they're, they're they bought a number one receiver who has limitations, and they're not even using his best strengths to get him open. Uh, and then the other thing is the way they're calling offense. Like only seven percent of their routes go further than twenty yards downfield. It's like they're very comfortable dinking and dunking, but there's only so many 10 play drives you can score touchdowns on before you make a mistake, right? This is why explosives are so important in the NFL. And I agree with you. My bigger takeaway of that was, well, part of it was not downgrading San Fran the last three weeks as much. Uh, but my bigger takeaway was, okay, Jacksonville's got some serious problems offensively that um, in theory, like we'd like to think of them as a good offense, but they keep, you know, they keep letting themselves down. Uh, in these situations, I love the I love the questions that are coming in to the chat. And Suma, we're gonna have a bunch to 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 get through, but let's let's do two more takeaways. 
and then we'll get into a couple questions before looking at the market ahead. Uh, Cleveland and Baltimore. Cleveland wins 33-31. Suma, me and you had the pleasure of going uh, head-to-head on three games this week. Uh, you won two and lost one. I went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. I got the Chargers pushing at three. This was one game I believe that we were on the opposite ends of, or was it just me versus Hitman? I can't remember. Yes, I I had the majority at a very good minus three price and some minus two, so partly push, partly. No, I mean you. I mean Cleveland Baltimore. Did, were you on Baltimore? Okay. Yes, yes, I I had Baltimore minus six. All right, uh, I got messages from people uh, in the comments. I, I like this person we chat of like when Baltimore was up fourteen nothing. He's like, man, they're just on another level. You got to stop fading them. Uh, was this a case of Baltimore blowing a lead or a case of once the turnovers evened out, they just got beat on the field yesterday? I would say both. So um, I think the Ravens got very fortunate to be in that position early on with the um, pick six. Uh, their defense was lights out early on, like Deshaun Watson could not do anything. Then, then he got the injury, was limping a little bit, then the muffed punt. And at that point, while the Ravens were fortunate or a little bit fortunate to get there, you would still expect a true Super Bowl contender to, at some point, sit on these leads yeah. and really take this one home. So um, kudos, all the kudos in the world to the Browns who fought back into the game. Yes, they also got that crazy tipped helmet interception pick six from Lama Jackson, which was extremely lucky. Um, however, they kept fighting. Their one game was working. I also think that they pushed the right buttons in, in, the, in the passing game in the second half, like finding the, the soft zones in the in the Ravens defense and dinged and dunked their way down the field. And, I mean, kudos. They fought back and deservedly got the cover and the win. So... Um, I, I will not dis- I, I, I will not disagree with you there. I just think that for a team like the Ravens, at some point you gotta protect these leads. Is it my imagination, or did Cleveland move the ball more consistently? Like Baltimore had a forty-yard touchdown run where the safety took a bad angle and let Mitchell get hit the outside corner. They had the thirty-nine-yard slant from OBJ taking it to the house, where again the safety just overplayed him. Outside of that, I thought Cleveland got uh, down the field more often and they stalled out a little too often. Like David Njoku drops a ball uh, inside the five-yard line, like wide open. Um, I, I felt Cleveland moved the ball a little bit better. I, I thought uh, Baltimore probably should have still won, but I, I think Cleveland cover was a fair a fair result given all once all the tr- once all the breaks kind of broke even-ish, I, I, I thought uh, Cleveland, Cleveland was strong in this case. Was that your takeaway? Yes, I, I have not looked at the success rates for the game, but it felt like at some point, not early on, first quarter was uh, very horrible. But yeah. at some point, I, I felt like Cleveland was moving the ball better and the Ravens were more like boom or bust on offense. Yeah, yeah uh, Deshaun Watson didn't like uh, miss a miss a pass in the second half. Um, yeah. Well, rush on 0.118 EPA per rush. Yeah, uh, with a 52 success where it's, it's pretty bananas against that defense. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And, you know, this game had weird, like, injuries, right? Marlon Humphrey gets hurt in the game and Denzel Ward. And I, I love the AFC North, man. And we get two AFC North yeah. games this week. Uh, let's move on to Houston and Cincinnati. Um, uh, 
Bengals offense was slow uh, at points. Uh, they they won. Uh, they lost thirty to twenty seven, but they still put up a good performance. Is this like the reality of their team now, Suma? Burrow is going to have to win every game in a shootout, at least against the top contenders. Yes, I guess we talked about it last week a lot. Like we cannot trust this Bengals defense at all. Um, now they're also injured. Uh, injured. We will get to this later. But this defense is allowing a sick rate of explosive plays. They are struggling to stop the run. I mean, the Texans could not run the ball all season, and they dropped like 100, I don't know how many yards on them yesterday. So um, defense is a major concern. I think not having T. Higgins and Jamar Chase was maybe like just a decoy early on. Can't, can't really tell. He played like uh, 90 plus percent of the snaps, but only had six targets, was a non-factor in the in the first half mostly. So maybe there was more to this back injury than was reported and he was not really 100% to go. So uh, something to keep an eye on, but this team without a defense and with their top two receivers struggling or not being healthy is not a great reset for success. And I mean, Joe Burrow had some oddly mistakes, no doubt about it, but he also displayed why this team still has that high ceiling. Uh, okay, let's talk about Houston because the narrative on them this offseason was two things. They might have traded the first overall pick to Arizona. Right. And then the other one was they're the third lowest projected win total, uh, according to Vegas win totals. And now the market's trying to correct on them. Right. And now the, 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 the conversation around them has been, hey, they're better than we expected. And Stroud is pretty good as a rookie QB. But that was based on preseason expectations. Maybe uh, it needs to start changing to a narrative of, hey, this team could go to the playoffs because CJ Stroud's just a good QB. Doesn't matter that he's a rookie. Yes, absolutely. I, I personally was completely wrong on them. I mean, I, I, I think it's fair to say that no one saw this coming, like how he's performing in his rookie season. I was completely wrong on them. I still hate the trade up from, from 12 to 3, and I, I, I will stay on this island because it was a bad trade in my opinion, but we are strictly talking about the, the Will Anderson trade. And at 2, they, they, they picked the quarterback, which was the right process, but like I did not see this performance coming and I also did not see the cohesiveness of, of this offense um, coming. Like, I mean, Noah Brown is catching 175 uh, yards against a Lou and Rumu defense in week 10. I mean, nothing that I could see coming. Big kudos to them. I think this looks like a very well-coached team. And I mean, in a season where we have so many bad quarterbacks like the Texans are a legit wildcard contender right now and they're just a fun team to watch and Suma like they had eight offensive linemen out in one game like at one yes. point like if ever there was a team that could have unraveled and we could blame it on the O-line issues this was the team and like they persevered through all of that and now all of a sudden you're discovering okay the healthy O-line is good they got legit weapons, or at least the scheme is getting guys open. And CJ Stroud is the real deal. And all of a sudden, it's like, all right, we got to adjust on Houston. We'll talk about Houston's spread this week uh, in a little bit because the market's clearly adjusted, or at least early uh, early on was quite the adjustment. Let's get to um, some questions in the chat. Um, let's start off with Cottage. He just he just dropped this question. D'Amico Ryan's has a ton of support. 
and is respected around the league. I wonder about thoughts on his coach of the year chances. Suma, if they go to the playoffs, D'Amico Ryan's coach of the year? I don't know because this this market is very tough. Um, I mean, you have a lot of guys who are in the mix, I guess. Like if the Vikings make the make the playoffs, like Kevin O'Connell is mm. a is an easy candidate, for instance. Yes, D'Amico will be a candidate if if the Texans make the playoffs. Um, I think if the Ravens continue that great path and maybe make the playoffs as a second seed or whatever. John Harbaugh will be in the mix after changing coordinators in back-to-back -back years um, and basically switching Lamar Jackson to a whole new pass-first offense. I mean, there are going to be many guys. Dan I, Campbell, yes, Dan I, Campbell. I mean, they get the one seed with 13 yes. wins. Yeah, yes, and, and he's Campbell. a lovable guy. Plus, I think I think D'Amico will, will suffer a little bit from C.J. Stroud gets a little bit uh, too much of the credit because, like, He's now putting up historical numbers, Suma, like best rookie numbers we've seen like ever. And if he continues at this pace, like, you know, it's that shared, uh, oh, he was too good. So we can't give it to this guy because they're uh, they benefit each other. And he's he's already locked in offensive rookie of the year, like barring an injury. I don't even think I think two more weeks and injury or not. I think he's going to get to the window. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of things to uh to get to Doug. Yes, we are going to talk about tonight's game at the end. Let's get through some of these questions. Uh, Dan Rivera asks Suma, why are the saints laughably underachieving? I want to add one more thing. The offense looked a lot better with Jameis Winston. Uh, you think they're going to have the guts to make this switch or does that, does that involve admitting you blew it with Derek Carr? I have not watched the game to be honest. Um, I think Jameis is like, has like, so, 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 this is the distribution for Derek Carr, yeah. And this is Jameis, yeah. Like, yeah. you will hit the high ends more often than than with Derek Carr, but Jameis might also give you that like three interception, one strip strip sack kind of game. He led um, the league in yards and interceptions one year, Suma. That's that's the range, right? Uh, Brian Dayball, next coach to be fired. I I I think if they lost every single game, he's still back, right? He yes, he's playing yes. with house money. And in fact, it's probably him and Joe Shine, Joe Shane are probably aligned on yes. wanting the quarterback. 100%. Yeah, I think he's got enough uh, enough of a, a leash. Uh, the Steelers running backs 3.6 yards before contact. Uh, they look very good running the ball. And, and I guess we can talk about this Packers game. Um, like that was as much as I want to say, you know, the Packers should have covered and there was a lot of reasons. The Packers defense just weren't good enough. They they really, really got ran over by a team that hasn't been running the ball well. Is this uh, optimism about the Steelers offense or is this like a more of an indictment on this Packers defense to you? Uh, both, I would say. Um, on, on on the one hand side, the Steelers one game has been a lot better in, in, recent, in recent weeks. Higher success rate, more explosives. They are also getting more out of these man dual runs, so they are having a, a much higher success rate on on man dual runs was inside zone, which they were not good um, on early in the season. And yes, the Packers run defense is, is still like a like a Swiss cheese. And I think that this Steelers offense is just regressing towards expectations slash mean a little bit because early in the season, especially during that. 
Deontay uh, Johnson IR stint. They were like bottom of the league in, in early down efficiency, early down EPA per play. Um, Kenny Pickett's splits with and without Deontay Johnson over his two-year career are also like drastic. So with Deontay in the in the lineup, he has been performing much better uh, in terms of EPA per play and success rate. And I just think that we are just looking at a still below average Steelers offense, yeah. but they are performing much better than early in the season. You know whose run defense is really bad, Suma? When when the Lions go to fourth and five and they draw up power run, they got some either yes, they yes. have a lot of confidence in their run game or they don't respect your run defense because that is absurd. And to get that first down is just uh, uh, that game in itself was actually absurd. Um, one, two more questions. Nathan asks um, of these ten point favorites, and I don't want to answer the whole question. Who do you think is uh, the most vulnerable? Like, clearly there's inflation going on with uh, Chicago, Carolina, Giants, uh, and Bucks. Like, we're fading the bad teams. Is there is there a line that stands out to you as being way too inflated, overinflated? Great question. Um, I would probably say no because all these all these three lines probably make sense where they are right now. Uh, I mean, Panthers are arguably the, the worst team in the league right now playing against a red-hot Cowboys team. Like, can you make the case why this line should be below 10? No. I don't think so. Miami off a bye week after that bad taste KC loss now against the Raiders who just got by the Giants and the uh, and the Jets. Very tough spot for the Raiders. Can you make the case for the number being single digits? I would argue no, not at all. And um, I mean, Bucks maybe the best case, but but it's still a very good Niners team. So it's it's very hard for me to pick one one there team is, here where I would say it's uh, undeservedly. There's one I can't get to ten with Washington, but the, here's the problem, Suma. Oh, I, I I forgot Washington. Okay, I, I can't I can't I can't bring myself to bet on Tommy DeVito right now. He's I don't think he's a NFL quarterback. I think he is uh, Kendall Hinton. Like he's he's the shits, and I think they have to price it in a way that they have to find some New York Giants bets. And like I don't think they can get anything uh, below ten. I, I don't think anybody's going to be interested in them. I'm not. I don't even think I'm interested at ten, even though my number says it shouldn't get to that number. Washington laying ten is crazy, but I don't know how to price Devito. They're literally the lowest power rated team I've had in five years. And I still don't want to bet them, even though th I think that the number, the number, I don't know, I, I don't know what to make of the number. How do you, how are you approaching the Giants with Devito? Uh, never bet Devito. Like <laughs> it's, it's a good, it's very simple. I could do a lot more things with my life than betting yeah. on Tommy Devito. It's it's, it's just, just as simple as that. Um, I think I would need, might 10, I would need ten in a blizzard to to say, you know what? Okay. Okay, let's go. Let's get the 10 with DeVito. I would need the fucking blizzard to come in order for me to get interested in them. Yeah, it's uh, I mean they they might cover games at some point. Um but I mean I can I, I just cannot do it. Also Andrew Thomas might not be back this week. Don't know yet. I mean Evan Neal banged up. Adoree Jackson left the game. Jalen Hyatt concussion like it, it's it's insane. Like there's yeah. the Giants are gonna lose every game. The only game they can win is against the Patriots, and that's if 
uh, which team learns knows how to tank better because that's it. Like the Giants are not going to win with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. Like Tommy DeVito, get ready to learn Canadian. I don't think he even starts in the CFL if we're being honest. He's he's awful. He's not a good quarterback. Uh, and he was benched in college, Suma. He for a guy who will never play in the NFL. That's how bad this guy is. Let's get into some look-aheads. Um, let's start with Bengals-Ravens on a Thursday. Uh, Suma, there is a lot of uh, injury question in this game. Ronnie Stanley, probably not going to play. Trey Hendrickson, definitely not going to play. Marlon Humphrey looks like he dodged a bullet. We don't know the status of T. Higgins. We don't know where Jamar Chase's back is. Uh, the line did, though, uh, uh, it was at four briefly. It's it's come back down to three and a half. Do you think it stays in the three and a half range? Or is, is there a chance that we get enough Bengals uh, demand to get this thing at least to a, a three, maybe minus 120? Tough to say. I would guess that there's going to be a lot of Ravens support at minus three, especially when you consider the, the injury situation. I mean, it's it's definitely worse for the Bengals, I would argue, because Ronnie Stanley, I, I do not see him playing on a on a short week after re-aggravating that, that injury, but Sam Hubbard, Sam Hubbard was already out with an ankle injury. It didn't sound like he will be back on a short week. So who is going to rush the passer for the Bengals? Um, Cam Taylor-Britt also left with a finger injury. Doesn't sound like that's, that's a biggie, so he's likely going to be back. But, I mean, no T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, still maybe not 100%, and no no pass rush to get after Lamar Jackson. It's, it's probably a tough case to, to bet since he had plus three. I went to bed last night, Suma. The, the line was 44, 44 and a half at most places. And I said, you know what? I'm going to look into it tomorrow. And then uh, I, I'm looking to bet the over uh, anything uh, under 45 and maybe even 45. And uh, I woke up to a line that didn't exist anymore. And uh Unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Uh, I was surprised that uh, any Bengals game against a competent offense was under 45. I don't. <laughs> they're an over team to me. There's there's nothing there's nothing more to it. They can't stop anyone, and they're capable of scoring on almost anyone. Uh, Steelers Browns Suma another uh, AFC North battle. Uh, you know Minka Fitzpatrick still out for the Steelers. Quan Alexander's season is over now. That's their second linebacker that's gone down. For the Browns, you know, they lost Denzel Ward and Juan Thornhill in the game. DeWan Jones, they're going to want him back because, my God, uh, their backup tackles are no good. And Deshaun Watson is getting an MRI on his ankle. Some people are saying high ankle. Uh, he did play the second half last week and, like, didn't, didn't incomplete a pass. So I expect him to go through a lot of pain. I guess my same question is as above. Uh, do, we, do, we, do you see this line staying in the three-and-a-half-four range? until we get uh, Watson's status? And and do you see it moving either direction, or does this line feel about right right now? Yeah, it feels about right in the um, three-and-a-half-four range. I mean, Deshaun Watson, he's, I don't think we have an MRI result yet. So I would argue that he played through the second half and, and was kind of decent. So it's probably just a swelling yeah. Um, kind of thing where he might get some swelling and that that might lead to him like missing practice or being limited this week. Uh, so we don't really know there. But I mean, if you look at the Steelers season so far, I cannot imagine that there's going to be too much love 
for the Steelers to push this close to a plus three. I mean, I, I want the Browns at three. I absolutely yes, do. yes. I want the Browns at three. I mean, you know, worst case scenario, Suma, you bet the Steelers. You know, they lose the yardage battle, they lose the success battle, and then you know, uh, uh, they throw a backwards lateral that should be a fumble, defensive touchdown, and the refs will the refs will call it back or. Uh, maybe you'll block an extra point or maybe uh, you'll get a couple end zone picks and you'll get the cover. Uh, that's sour grapes, boys. I still am not over it, but the Steelers have put it up my uh, rear end three times this year uh, against the Browns uh, uh, in week uh, two on Monday Night Football against the Ravens with all their drops. And then Voodoo Magic got me again last night. Let's move on to Cardinals and Texans. The Texans are the ones that are injured. Nico Collins, Damian Pierce didn't play. Neither did Jimmy Ward. Uh, I, I guess my first question when I sent this to you was before the line move. I said, is this line surprisingly high? Have, have, how much have we upgraded Arizona now that Kyler and Connor is back? The line was five and a half. Um, I think we all, we all thought it wasn't going to last. Some people were waiting for a six, but we are now at four, which feels a lot more appropriate of a line uh why was the mark why did the books like so overcorrect on houston and it's not surprising to see this thing snap back right away right yeah i mean texans look very good now back at home where their offense was even better throughout the season um that's that's probably one reason for the opener but i mean like every everyone who has like sharp impact or bets these openers bets these early monday morning stuff has taken the the Cardinals. There were some uh, releases on the Cardinals already. Uh, White Angle Sports was about to release a game today, and mm. then they stopped it because the market moved. And I don't know for sure, but I'm, I would bet that it was Arizona because that was wine about the time where where the Cardinals uh, took some action. So yeah, lots of love for the Cardinals um, early on and. Um, if you ask me, I would I would rather see this going towards three and a half rather than going back towards five. Yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes, Suma, like we all have our process on how to get to our number. And um, I think instinctually, when we saw that that number, we we're like, oh, oh, like everybody amongst us was like, there's no way this thing is going to fucking hold. Like it's it's such a, a bad uh, it's such a bad number. Um, let's move on to Giants and Commanders. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I only ask for this, right? Uh, <laughs> how do we like? How are we gonna price the Giants moving forward? Like Suma, they're gonna tank, man. They don't want to win another game. They want one of the top two picks. And Devito sucks because, like, any other quarterback in the entire world is better than Devito. Matt Barkley for sure gives them a better chance to win. And as long as they keep you know, putting out DeVito with no O-line and no weapons. I don't know how to act accordingly with the Giants. Are, like, are you going to just be staying away from Giants games for a while? I'm either going to stay away or bet against them. Um, if you look at the injury report, like Kevin Thibodeau left week 10 with a concussion likely out. Yeah. Um, Deontay Banks. Cordell Flott. Yes, Cordell Flott, Deontay Banks, Doe Jackson. Um, add to that that Sam Howell and that offense has been getting better in, in recent weeks. I, I can just expect the, the commanders to move the ball and then you're probably praying for um, Tommy DeVito to get anything out of um, out of that offense and maybe try to sneak into a backdoor. That was probably 
that would be pro that would probably be my approach um, to that. All right, Suma, give me the number. Dan Rivera asks, "How many points do you need to wager real dollars on them? What price needs to be there for you to to bet Tommy DeVito?" Um, I mean, I, I can only give a a bad answer because when I say something like 13, 14 points. Um, I, you, you guys would not believe me because then I would have to bet the commanders like immediately. So, um, I will dig into this game a, a little bit more, but right now I, I could probably only bet the commanders if I had to. Okay. Yeah. I, I think 13 is the first time I actually consider even thinking about it. Uh, let's move on to bears and lions. Uh, right now the lions are favored by 10, I guess. My question is, um, is this number based on Bajent, uh or Justin Fields returning? And how close are they in the line? Maybe there's not that big a difference anymore now that we have four data points to reference. I mean... Is it an in-between? It doesn't feel like an in-between. Probably. What's your opinion? I think the market says even if Fields goes, like I can't see this thing getting down to eight. Not really. Like I don't think there. I don't think there. There's much separating these two. Like if Badgent goes, are you really gonna go Detroit ten and a half, eleven? They have a bad defense, and and I'm glad. I'm glad the Chargers finally exposed it because I've been saying for weeks they, they fucking can't cover anybody. And I don't know, you know, Baker Mayfield, despite being an A plus quarterback, there's only so many times he's gonna miss Trey Palmer wide open and. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to miss uh, Devontae Adams down the sidelines. Detroit has been asking to get exposed in the air, and I thought the Chargers finally did a good job doing so. Yeah, I mean, if it's Fields, I would probably expect this number to come down a little bit um, because with a healthy Justin Fields, this Bears defense, uh, especially the offense, has like a, a wider range of outcomes um, with, with a lot more upside. And like you said, that Lions defense is not good at all. You're not gonna so, go to seven. you're um, not gonna go to the seven though, right? Because you're no, just asking no. for Detroit. Like it's it's seven and a half, eight, right? And and maybe maybe like that's gotta be the number if it's fields, right? Even seven and a half would might be a little bit too too rich, I would say. Like, I mean if it's fields, yes. Eight and a half is, is probably a, a, a range that I could imagine the, the market going to later in the week if it's fields. Um, the, the, the issue with fields last week was he had a limited practice. And if you have a thumb injury and you cannot practice fully, that means that you cannot properly grip the ball and, and, and throw it accurately down the field. So I would probably argue that to get there uh, to get to a point where Justin Fields is close to a hundred percent, he would lock. We would need to lock at least two full practices this week. You have to be a hundred percent too. It's not like there's injuries that you can play uh, at eighty percent. You know, you limit your mobility. Your thumb is your thumb. If you can't grip the fucking ball, you're not going to yes. play at eighty percent and, and risk hurting it or fumbling it. It needs to be fully healthy or not, right? And that's the problem with the thumb injury. Whereas, you know, if you got a little sprained ankle, yeah, you, you limit your running and you you could just throw and play at 80, 85%. With the thumb, you have to be ready. Like it plagued Kurt Warner for so long and Stafford for so long. And uh I guess we'll we'll, we'll segue into the the Rams. Seahawks Rams. Uh, I guess the question is uh is this two and a half a Stafford price? Or is it a Carson Wentz price? 
And, and will like will Seattle go to the full three and maybe above if Wentz is uh, announced as the starter? I think so. Um, my best guess right now is that it's a a a blend. But if it's Stafford, like same argument as with Justin Fields, like yeah, you would need at least two full practices to believe that he can really properly grip the ball and and throw it accurately down the field because. If not, like that offense is cooked, that that Rams offense really lives and dies with Matthew Stafford, who was playing like a phenomenal season so far. Their defenses look bad again, though, right? Uh, like I, 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 I'm, I'm under the impression that we got a little too excited on the Rams and uh, their more recent performances is like, OK, maybe they aren't. Uh, maybe they're closer to the bottom 10 than they are the middle of the pack. I, I still don't know what to make of them. Uh, and I guess maybe the Dallas killing them is skewing that thought because I don't know. It, I get tempted when I see this price, uh, even if Stafford is a go, but uh, who knows? I uh, Seattle, I have a love hate relationship with them. Suma, let's talk Monday night football Broncos and bills. Uh, the line's been straddling seven, seven and a half. There's dual market sentiment out there. Uh, for the Broncos, this is the healthiest they've been all year. That's there's nobody injured. For the Bills, are missing half the secondary. Micah Hyde and Christian Benford out. Terrell Bernard is questionable. Uh, Suma, where do you begin to formulate thoughts on this Monday Night Football game? I'm personally on Denver plus seven and a half. Um, market so came back. Yeah, market came back a little bit. I I was almost like a soft seven for the bills on Saturday. Yeah. Now, now market came back. I mean, I'm not too high on the Broncos, but I'm looking at this game. Like Broncos are getting healthier. Like you said, they're coming out of the bye week and this, this bills team really lives and dies with good performances from, from Josh Allen. Yeah. Like they have no floor where, where they can fall on their defense on a strong running game and stuff like that. They really need Josh Allen to, to bring like an, at least an A minus game. Otherwise they will struggle against any team with a pulse. And I would argue that the, the Broncos right now have some sort of a pulse. Um, I think that the bills are very vulnerable over the middle of the field with, a, with one of their starting safeties missing Terrell. But now I didn't see an update yet today. If he's out, like it, it's, it's a, it's basically a practice squad, linebacking group that will have a hard time against this Broncos one game slash play action game. I think that you can also use Jay Judy and Cameron Sutton, uh, Curtin Sutton to attack these cornerbacks, maybe on, on more like short intermediate rounds underneath and stuff like that. And um, yes, if we get a, if we get an A plus game from Josh Allen, that game could be over in the third quarter, but I'm willing to bet against that. The bills don't really, have all the horses right now to to really beat a somewhat middling team by margin here yeah and you know like sean payton uh off a of bye week uh he's got extra time to prepare um the bills haven't covered a spread in the last five games against the closing number dr morse i spoke with him last week on the 90 degrees pod and he said uh clearly the shoulder is lingering for josh allen he's reluctant to run his deep ball hasn't been there the Bills have scored 20, 14, 25, 24, and 18 the last five games. Uh, has the market failed to bake this injury in? 
Uh, and did they finally bake it in this week? Because, you know, uh, at seven or a soft seven, it's like, okay, that's probably where the Bills should have been in a lot of these other games. Uh, like, has the is the market failing to bake in? Josh Allen is not 100% and they're not playing at their top level offensive game right now. I think it's tough because you don't really know when his shoulder will be fine again. It could be this week. It could be next week. Um, I, I think he, he practiced uh, fully like uh, three times in a row. So it's really hard to gosh. Oh, I think yeah, Bill's, we, we Bill's, money had, into the, Bill's money into the market as we're speaking. As we Suma, someone's it. listening and saying, fuck Suma's handicap. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in on the Bills. <laughs> Uh, yeah, th that being said, I mean, would I be surprised if we saw a vintage Josh Allen game today where we don't get the impression that his shoulder is uh, is limiting him? Could be the case. Uh, we don't know. So I think it, it's very hard to price that shoulder injury. Yeah, I also want to see how Russell Wilson plays against uh, this Bills pass rush. Uh, are you know? Have you heard? I'm not sure if you've heard. It's uh, only just been around everywhere on the internet. But there's this thing called primetime unders this year, and if you if you blindly bet them, you're 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 performing at, at uh, Vegas Dave level uh, clip of near seventy percent. Uh, Suma, uh, do you do you have any feel for the total in this game? Not really gun to my head. I would probably slightly lean towards the over because of all the all the injury um all injuries on the Bills defense and yeah. the possibility of Josh Allen having a good game. Um yeah, uh, circa circa back to seven half, Chris seven half minus nineteen. Looks like uh uh sorry, seven half minus oh five Chris now. Uh so uh looks like there are some Someone in the uh, in the marketplace liking the uh, builds. Yep, Suma, and you know, forty-seven points. If it is maybe it's not enough points. You know, Miami put up seventy against Denver, and uh, although you know Miami uh, Miami only beats up on bad teams, uh, maybe the Bills put up a bunch on Denver. Maybe Denver puts up a bunch on Buffalo. Suma, thank you for the time, man. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Uh, appreciate the insights as always, and I appreciate. The in uh, the engagement from everybody, uh, all the questions. Keep doing this, and we'll get Suma to answer. And Cleve TA will be back next week. We'll be back again tomorrow with myself and Sharp Clark to break down some film, recap the Monday Nighter, and give you the first Thursday night preview. You won't want to miss it. Please subscribe. Hit the freaking like button on the way out. Uh, and that's it for me. Thanks to Suma. Thanks to producer Jason, and thanks to you, the audience. Until next time.